Wassalamu ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Welcome everybody to the Safina Society Nothing But Facts live stream where we are welcomed uh, here by many guests. We have here Mrs. E is here on the program. Okay. Then we have Atlanta, we have California, we have North Jersey, South Brunswick, we have Dallas, we have uh, Sayreville, all over the place here. I want to read a little bit from this book here that most people should have. If they don't have it, they should get it. It's called The Rights of Parents. And The Rights of Parents, the way that he breaks it down, the parents have rights over your heart, your tongue, your body, your wealth. That's four things. Then he goes into mashakil, problems. Problems such as what if your parents are doing wrong, can you advise them? What if your parents give you opposite orders? So the structure of the book is, is, is like that. So what is the bit of the heart? What is the bit of the tongue? What is the bit of the body? What is the bit of the wealth? Bitter means goodness. What do you owe your parents in these four things? Because if you think about it, that's what a relationship is, right? It's you owe them, right, with these things. So that's what you use your heart your tongue now one thing that i i don't know maybe for the sake of the um uh for whatever reason it's not exactly divided up like that so for example if you look at the contents the oh he does mention it he begins for example with um bit of the tongue he puts it with the introduction so that's one of the things I noticed. The bit of the tongue is with the introduction. But it's tongue, body, wealth, and heart. So I would have done heart first, then tongue, then body, then wealth, right? That's how it should be. Uh, because most people will sacrifice their body more than their wealth. The wealth is more precious for most people. Like if someone says to you, will you help your cousin move for a day, Right? Or will you lose $400? Most people would say, I'll help him move for a day. I don't want to lose $400. Most people care more for their, body, their wealth than their body. Okay, so then he says, um, he then goes into the hands, the feet, the ears, the eyes, the heart, the tongue. So he goes into that. I would also tuck those in. Just make the book five chapters. Heart. Tongue, wealth, body, and then mashakin. Mashakin, like masail, I should say. Masail, issues. Okay. But anyway, that's just, that, doesn't, that doesn't take away from the blessing of the book because a, structure, a, good, a great structure does not pull down the blessing from Allah. That's not what brings down the blessing. The barakah and why the book lasts and has benefit is because of the ikhlas of the order, uh, of the author, even if it's scattered however he wants to write it. Right? So that so the comment on the structure of the book is just literally like a footnote, okay? Because structure does matter. It makes the matter easier to remember, okay? But let me read to you the bit of the body. Ibn Sunni narrates that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, saw a man walking with a boy. He asked the boy, who is this? The boy said, my father. Messenger of Allah said, do not walk in front of him and do not cause him to curse you. Okay, so it is said that 
when you're walking with your parents, you should not walk in front of them. You should walk next to them or behind them slightly. Uh, unless it's in a order that that's acceptable. Or it's in a situation that that's acceptable. So we have to have common sense. Okay. Muhammad al-Hassan said that the second part of the hadith says, do not cause him to curse you means do not do anything that is bad that would cause him to be upset with you and hence you bring down something bad from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nafrawi says, in his commentary on the Risal of Ibn Abi Zayd, says that one should not only stay behind the parents while walking with them, they should not even walk on their side, okay? Unless there's a need, you should walk behind them. For example, when is there a need? There is a need to walk in front of your parents if it's night and you need to see if there are holes in the ground or if there's something unsafe, for example. All right, and this rule would be uh, applied when walking with honorable people such as the scholars, leaders, righteous people. And do you guys remember when Trump walked with the queen? Right? He's like raced way ahead of her, right? And then he's looking back like you're walking so slow, lady, come on. So the, the, the British had those manners too, right? Uh, these manners are old world manners, okay? It's not just Islamic manners. And maybe they got it from the Islamic world. Right? A lot of things were borrowed from the Islamic world. For example, I remember someone saying that when you exit your sheikh, you take three steps backwards first, and then you turn your back, so that you don't immediately turn your back. You watch old shows, they do that too. So the, worldwide, these are basic adab, or worldwide. All right. What happens if your parents tell you to do something that is forbidden? Of course, the Prophet ﷺ said, there is no obedience in the disobedience of Allah. Okay, obedience is only that which is permissible, Bukhari and Muslim. So if the parent orders you to do something that is a shubha, a doubtful matter, then Imam Tirtushi in his book on Birul Walidain says that it is incumbent upon the child to obey the parents. Okay, if in case uh, the parent would be hurt if you don't follow. So what is a shubha? What someone give me an example of a shubha that your parents might ask you to do? Something that is a doubtful matter. What's a doubtful matter? Uh, yeah, like if, if it's food that maybe in one fringe madhab opinion that is permitted, but in your madhab it's not, right? Or in the dominant of all four it's forbidden, but in one fringe madhab it's not, okay? Or it's permitted. If for everyone else is forbidden. That's a shubha, right? But he says, eat it because I read in Ibn Hazm that is halal. So eat it. And you have some modernist and secular parents, right? Ah, and I read on the Islam.com website. Islam, what is it? Islam QA. Islam QA. Or, uh, ah, the Sheikh on Twitter, Abdul Hakim, said it's halal. So you have to eat it, right? <laughs> what's, that, what's that Sheikh's name? He's always giving fatwa that are off. Awesome. al Hakim said it's halal. So eat it, okay? Honestly, he's, huh? <laughs> Why you got to put him on the spot? <laughs> it's permitted to say this because if you follow Asim al-Hakim and you love his comedy and his humor, laugh all you want, but don't take the fatal because he makes too many mistakes. It's halal to say that. We're not backbiting him. We're saying what is publicly stated about him, what he said publicly. And you have to, you have to say that when someone makes mistakes in fiqh. If someone says makes a mistake four out of ten times, no, that's not acceptable, right? Right? 
Not as, and sometimes he'll give a ruling that is in one madhab, and he'll say, it's like the general ruling for all of Islam. Can't do that. Right? So uh, when someone says that, it's, we're not saying that his character is bad, his intention is bad, or anything about him is bad. Right? In fact, he seems like a fun guy to hang out with. Right? But we just don't, huh? He's huge. Like, what, like six, eight? Like Muhammad Hijab, huge? Okay. So he, he's probably a cool guy to hang out with. That's fine. That's one thing. But his fiqh is something else. His fatawa. There's not even fatawa on new matters. It's just, mis- just Q&A. So you should be aware that if you follow this very popular you know, Twitter handle and, and YouTube and everything, then there are some mis- question marks around those uh, fatawa. That's all. It's, it's completely fair game to say that. And it's not backbiting because we uh, read from this wonderful book, Asrar Rashid's Navigating the End Times, Okay. This is a great book. Right? And maybe good for the school library. Navigating the end times because I'm talking here to a, a head of school now. Islamic schools, you should get this book. This is for the library. This for the any Muslim household should have you should have a library and this too for the Islamic school library. Even more important actually yeah, this one. Okay, introduction to Islamic theology and even more so this one. The divine for critical minds. Yeah, this is Muhammad Abdul Wahab. Yeah, if you have a heresy class. <laughs> yeah, if you have a if you if you have a heresy class, listen to this. I was walking in the hospital the other day. It's a research hospital, Robert Wood Johnson. And I came upon this building here, this room here, right? I said, man, if I was still on Twitter, I'd send this to Javad. You know, Javad Hashmi, he left uh, MPAC. Okay, he left MPAC, so he's in a need for a job. I'm walking by Robert Johnson. I see a big sign on the door. Center for Innovation, right? <laughs> okay. You saw that at Robert Wood? Yeah. I, I saw this on the door. Center for Innovation. Javad, you can apply. I will write the letter of recommendation, too. You got it? Innovations no one else has come up with ever before. Oh, well, that's the second school. I was walking by and started laughing. <laughs> okay, what were we saying? So I was saying um, that if it's something is a shubha, that in some fringe opinion, there is validity to it, and your parents would be hurt if you don't do it. Tortushi says, then you would still do it. Okay? You would still do it. Okay? Imam al-Ghazali in Ihya, Ulum al-Din, he holds the same opinion as far as obedience in doubtful matters. But he adds that one should try to avoid it as best as possible. If there is no other choice, then one chooses performing a doubtful matter over causing the parent to be angry. So you are choosing between two bad things. You choose the least of two bad things. What is up with, uh, what's his face, uh, Elon Musk putting the X there? What's it for? So PayPal was originally X.com. Yeah. Wait a second. So Twitter is not a bird anymore? Nope. Well, he's changing it. It's not a bird, but he's changing it to X. Why? The bird was like way better. <laughs> and that's And it makes sense because it's like a little tweeting bird, right? And it's black too, not even blue. 
but that's so undefined then i mean the bird is a defined thing what do you think of that bad bad choice there by must but it's his company and by the way, uh, by the way, how much do you think the, the, uh, some consultant charged to design that ridiculous X, which is nothing, right? Except one of one of them's a thick line, one's a thin line. That's it. Yeah. Then what is the name going to be? Twixer. <laughs> the name of the company is going to be called X. X dot com. I don't get it. I don't see it. I don't see it. Too much change is no good, in my opinion. Keep things... I mean, change, uh, updating fine, but the branding was fine, in my opinion. Anyway, it's his company. To read tw- 600 tweets? Only, to view them? Okay. Yeah. You're out for the day. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because, uh, yeah, Zuckerberg has to get in the game, so he has threads now. And there's way, there's just, and threads is only on mobile because they want to strengthen the mobile first before they put it on the thingy. There's just way too many uh, things to keep up with these days. You need, like, a manager to keep up with all this stuff. Um, if you're a company, I'm sure they have those kids with that. All right, so Imam, Hadda, Imam al-Ghazali said the same thing. This is because avoiding a doubtful matter is recommended, okay, and not an obligation, okay, whereas to anger the parents is haram, okay. What if they order you to do something haram? Then obviously... Oh, sorry, harmful, not haram, but harmful. Like, for example, what if they say, oh, your uncle so-and-so, I having a fight with him. Ignore him next time he comes, right? Don't pick up the phone if he calls. Don't go to his house. So it's not necessarily commanding you to commit a sin, but he is commanding you to do an action that is harmful to another person. He's now saying, this, this punk nephew of mine is disrespecting me, okay? So he's going to be hurt by that. And offended. So one of the righteous people told his father, your huge right does not remove from my little right. Okay? You have a huge haq over me, but I have hukuk over people too. Right? An example of an order to do something harmful would be in the situation where the child cannot find a source of income locally, so he needs to travel, but the father says, don't go. No, I have the right to go and feed myself. Right? He does not have to obey his parents if they tell him to forego traveling. Right? Because this would harm the child, and he would starve, and he would uh, uh, be, be impoverished. Okay? Do not harm and do not reciprocate harm. Do not harm others, and do not instigate the harm, and do not have people harm you, uh, uh, and do not reciprocate harm. If the child is traveling to seek income beyond his needs, or he can find a source of income within his local area, and his parents say, no, we need you here, don't travel, then he would be haram for him to travel. So that's just a little bit of that book, which I'm actually teaching the high schoolers uh, this this semester, this book, and maybe we'll carry over into next semester. But um, this is a bookmark. So that is our first segment. Our second segment for the day involves 
Qissatu Ashab al-Fil Abraha Part 2 We said Abraha He was He was a rebel He started off as a rebel He's a zealot He's, He was a He was a very Knowledgeable and pious Christian But his Leaning was towards zealotry So He was a rebel That's the first thing He, he was very sneaky And he split The ranks of the army While The naive Not realizing The current ruler Okay, whose name was mentioned earlier, was not aware. All right? He's not aware. So he then, Abraha then said to him, we're not going to have a civil war. Then our whole army would be depleted and we would lose all of the land. Okay? Uh, to, the, to the Yemenis. So we have a duel. Now, if the guy is a rebel, why would you trust him in a duel? He had a man assigned to come out and essentially cheat and kill his opponent, okay, in the middle of the duel. So the first, who, what was his name? The first, huh? The first guy? Ariat. Ariat comes, swipes him. He hurts Abraha pretty badly. Abraha stumbles to the right. The guy is now looking in that direction. And then Abraha's had planned that another guy comes out and kills him. So Abraha didn't even do the job himself, right? So, but what do you expect from a rebel? He doesn't respect rule of law. He doesn't respect, respect rules, okay? So now what is the story of Abraha? ثُمَّ إِنَّ أَبْرَهَا بَنَا الْقُلَيْسِ 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 With a shadda on the lamb, okay? هِيَ إِسْمِ الْكَنِيسَ الَّتِي أَرَادَ أَبْرَهَا تُو أَنْ يَصْرِفَ إِلَيْهَا حَجَّ الْعَرَبِ so in Sana, when he knew, saw that the Arabs, they all go and they worship their pagan gods in Mecca. So Abraha built Al-Qulais and it was a massive cathedral, of course not you know, relative to that time, massive with gemstones and it was many towers tall, uh, uh, many floors tall, etc., Lam yura mithluha. No one has seen anything like it. Lam yura mithluha. Yura, not yura, because lam is harf jazm and yura is fi'al mudara. So we drop the alif and we put a fatha instead. Okay? Hadf harf al illa li jazm fi'al al mudara. So lam yura, not lam yura mithluha. Okay? Lam yura mithluha. Alam tara. In their age, they never, the people had never seen, the Arabs at least, had never seen a building like this before. Okay. He was so proud of it, he wrote to his master, the king, in East Africa. Inni qad malik. I have built for you. In other words, this is going to go in your legacy of your monarchy because uh, he is king still. Kanisatan lam yubna. Lam yubna. Again, drop the alif, put the dash. Fatha. Lam yubna mithluha li malikin kana qablak. Okay. Walastu bimuntahin hatta asrifa ilayha hajjal Arab. I will not stop until the Arabs all come here. Instead of going to Mecca to see the Kaaba. In other words, he's a crusader before there were any crusaders. 
He wants all the Arabs to become Christians even while... Uh, 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 he wants them all to be Christians, okay? And that's his movement. He's going to travel up north and destroy the Kaaba. So he is the proto-crusader. Abraha, he's a crusader. Change the title. Abraha the crusader. Okay. فَلَمَّا تَحَدَّثَتْ الْعَرَبُ بِكِتَابِ أَبْرَهَ تَذَلِكَ إِلَى النَّجَاشِ غَضِبَ رَجُلٌ مِّنَ النَّسْأَةِ Okay, so what is the nas'a? جَمْعَ نَاسِئْ وَهُمُ الَّذِينَ كَانُوا يَنْسِئُونَ الشُّهُورَ One of the timekeepers. In the court, he keeps watch of the moon, the time, everything. He heard of this. He heard what of Abraha's plan. He started telling everyone. Okay, so do you guys remember what the guy did to George Bush when he got upset? He threw his sandal on him, okay? And the Arabs have become known for the sandal, right? Well, before Arabs threw sandals, they did other things. So the timekeeper went and waited until everyone was asleep. He goes up onto the altar after having a, a big dinner and drinking a lot of water. And he defecates right on the altar. Okay? Squats on the altar and defecates. How he did istinja, istijmar, who knows? Okay? But he defecates. He defecated on the altar. So before they, we were known for the slipper, the Arabs. This was the method of expressing yourself. Okay? Abraha went into a rage. Okay? They said, he's one of your courtiers. One of the people of the court who keeps time, keeps watch of the moon and monitors the days, the, the months, etc. Now, you have to imagine, way back in the day, in pre-modern times, it's very possible that a nomad or a Bedouin or people who live remotely lose track of not just the month, but the day too. So you actually had to exert an effort. And the, every society... Every city assigned a handful of people to monitor the day and the month, etc. Okay? Because it's very like it's very fathomable that a family traveling by themselves, for example, and you're traveling for months on end, going from and one end of the continent to another, totally lose track of what day it is. Even even not so long ago in the thirty when it was eighteen something, early nineteen hundreds, where free land would be given. In the West. Just go. A man would take his family and they would start traveling West. And eventually they would enter an area where there are no people. And day would pass after day. Okay? If someone got sick, if someone overslept, if they were exhausted for a full day or night, you easily wake up and no one knows what day it is. Right? And this could continue on for weeks. Okay? We all know the ruling in Sharia that if you don't have anything to make wudu with Salah is not obligated upon you, at least in the Maliki school. I'm wondering what the ruling is if a person uh, has no way to know the time of Salah. They put you, they knock you out cold, you get punched, they knock you out cold, you wake up in between four walls, no windows, no clocks, solitary confinement. No way to know what time is it, what day is it, what month it is. Could be Ramadan, can come and go. Fajr, Isha, Maghrib, you have no clue what time is it. So that is actually one of the rulings I didn't find in many of the books. The hukum of faqid al-tuhurain we know. Someone who doesn't have 
for wudu or tayammum, we know he is not obligated to pray. What about someone, he can never know the time? So the salah would not be obligatory at that moment, but does he owe qada is the real question. Okay, because he can't pray. You cannot pray, just estimate. Oh, let's just estimate it's fajr. Let's estimate it's You can do that nafl, maybe. It's counted for you as nafl. Right? Pray no effort like that. But you cannot pray an obligatory prayer without certainty of the time that it's an obligation upon me now. Okay. So that's that's something that we should look into. When he heard this, the man fled. Okay. Okay. And by the way, that man was originally Meccan. That man was timekeeper in the court of Abraha, but he was originally from Mecca. So he fled back home to his tribe knowing that he caused a big mess, figuratively and literally. <laughs> okay, I wonder who cleaned it. It's disgusting. All right, here we go. And he flew off the handle. Okay? All right. And he swore that he will travel unto that house until he completely raises it to the ground. Okay? He ordered the army to get ready. And he began traveling up. And now we're going to see every single tribe of the Arab Capitulate. Everyone's going to capitulate. Okay? And this is actually one of the things that strengthens the Quraysh. Okay? He got elephants. Al-fil is the plural. Fiela uh, could also be the plural of it. Okay? Because there were many elephants, not just one elephant. Now, what was the plan? How many of you heard this story as a child and thought, that he's going to ram the elephants into the concrete, right? That's what you imagine. He's gonna, they always told us he's going to destroy the Kaaba with the elephants, right? So you imagine they're going to ram it, hit it from the side. No, that wasn't the plan. The plan was to tie four elephants to the four corners of the foundation and then have each elephant walk the opposite way. And then that would destroy it. So it's not that, it would make no sense. And the elephant is not the type of animal that would just ram his head into the bricks and then the, the, the stones and stone would fall on the elephant and could kill the elephant. So that wasn't the plan. The plan was to take the elephant, tie it, and then have him walk one way. That will destroy one foundation, okay? And so on. So that was the method uh, that year they were going to do this. All the Arabs heard about this. And the immediate reaction of all the Arabs was that this is our capital building this is our main building in the in the in, in the uh, in the land so they all took out their swords and they initiated to put up a fight okay the first one is dunafar and he called his qaum and everybody around him for the fight to protect the house of Allah because they still consider it the house of Allah. They just also believed that the daughters of Allah are um, idols around it and they worship that in order to please Allah. So that was their shirk. But they still had a concept of God, concept of Allah. Okay. 
وما يريد من هدمه وإخراجه فأجاب إلى ذلك من أجاب ثم عرض فقفالته فقاتله فهزي فهزم ذو نفر. So the first man ذو نفر out defeated. So what happens now? He then takes ذو نفر okay and he says to him you die or you lead me you be a travel guide okay all right and he kept him prisoner thumma mada abrahatu ala wajhi dhalika yuridu ma kharaja lahu hatta idha kana bi ardin ardi khath'am next tribe khath'am nufail ibn ibn habib comes out to him with an army okay <sighs> And he is defeated. All right. And he says, you die or you get taken as a prisoner and you give advice and you help us. Okay. So he says, no, I'll help you. So the first one at least said, no, just keep me prisoner. I'm not going to help you. So he kept him prisoner. All right. This one, though, is a betrayer. Whenever the colonizers come to a land, they look for the munafiks and the weak and the cowardly of the land who will turn on their people and help us manage this new territory and this new land. So this one, Nufail ibn Habib, becomes okay, the, the traitor. Okay, the Benedict Arnold of the uh, Ashab al-Fil story is Nufail ibn Habib. Okay. All right. فَخَلَّى سَبِيلُ وَخَرَجَ مَعَهُ يَدُلُّهُ he, he now became the one pointing him to Mecca, helping him get to Mecca, ensuring that he gets to Mecca. Okay. And then next group, Mas'ud ibn Mu'attib comes out. He is from whom? Thaqif. And Thaqif lives where? Ta'if. All right. They said, what did they do? They didn't even put up a fight. They submitted. He came out and he said, Nahnu abiduk. We're your slaves. Sami'una wa muti'un. Unbelievable. So, huh? What's that? Yeah. Hajjaj, uh, Ibn Yusuf. These people were even worse than the previous ones. Okay. The uh, Egyptians used to do this. Whenever anyone would come. Alexander the Great. You're the Pharaoh. He didn't even arrive yet. They made him Pharaoh. Right. They didn't even see if it was a big army, small army. They just heard he's coming. Yeah, coming. Hajjaj ibn Yusuf became so scary in the minds of people, they would submit before he even showed up. The Mongols, the Mongols had an amazing tactic. He wasn't some dumb uh, fool, Genghis Khan. He would take uh, the heads of all the previous battle, take all the heads and make a mountain of heads in the middle of the night. All right? So when the... The old cities back in that time, the city, there were people living as nomads and farmers, but then you had a city. And every morning, someone's job was to open the gates of the city, right? So he would put that at the main gate of the city, and people would, he would see that, run back, and the fear, people would go and look, and the panic would just spread. He defeated your mind first, and people would submit before they even got there. He even got there. So here we have... A complete munafiq, ta'if, a complete uh, capitulator. And they are the people of ta'if, the thaqif. Oh, you're saying thaqif is from Hajjaj bin Yusuf. Eventually, Hajjaj bin Yusuf, he's thaqafi. He eventually comes from there. Yeah. 
So now that's Ibn Mas'ud, or, or sorry, Mas'ud Ibn Muattib. So you had three levels. The first one fought, and he said, I'm not going to help you. Keep me prisoner, kill me. So he said, kept him prisoner. The second one fought, Nufail fought, but immediately after getting defeated, he helped him rather than get killed or be prisoner. Now, this one, okay, Mas'ud, he comes out and he immediately um, capitulates. He says, we have no difference with you. We have no issue. We have no, we don't differ with anything you're doing. Basically, they're agreeing to sell out their brothers of Quraysh. Okay. This is why everyone knows they have no moral authority on Quraysh. You all betrayed Quraysh. You have no moral authority on Quraysh. Okay. It's not our sacred house. Okay. Meaning it's not alat. They had their alat. Okay. Okay. Alright. So where, where where was who was where was the, the idol Alat? Was it in Mecca and Uzza? I think is in Taif. I don't have my paganology down right. I but but Alat is a derivative. They said it is Allah's daughter. Is Allah Alat from Allah? Al Uzza from Al Aziz, Al Manat from Al Manan. So they would take one of the names of Allah. Twist it and say that's this daughter, this daughter, this daughter, and they were all feminine gods. Okay, this is why Khalid bin Walid, when after the conquest of Taif, the Prophet sent Khalid bin Walid to destroy it. Okay, so Alat is in Taif, and he went and he broke the idol, right? And the Prophet said he came back and he said I it's I I crushed it. He said go back again and double check. He went back and he saw a very dirty old woman there. And that woman saw Khalid bin Walid and started chasing him. So he killed her. He went and reported that to the Prophet And that, Allah Alam, may be like the shaitan. A type of shaitan or a type of shaitan that took the form. Right? Because it was a feminine god. Right? A female god. So took that form. But it took the hideous form, like something that's untrue, not worthy, a filthy and old and, and disgusting. And then it ran after him screaming, right? So a, a hideous form. So it's, it's as if these, these things that human beings create, it's almost like the poltergeist has this idea. Mm. Maybe they got this idea from, maybe it's true. It's a hideous form. I'm saying not the movie itself, but I'm saying that concept. We find that here. The idol has a physical form. A living form. Yeah. Well, he'd never take the form of a woman because he's male. Yeah. And Al-Khadr used to come in, in a form that usually people won't look at. Such a common normal form that no one would look twice to. That's always how it is said that Khidr Yusuf here. So now here we go that this group here of traitors, they're saying, Hey, it's not our God that you're about to destroy. And you don't this is the old um trap that people fall into 
oh, as long as I'm not being bullied, well, what if uh, you're next, right? So now, now, not only that, they said, we will send you somebody to help you get to Mecca. So, So now he has two guides, Nufail and Abu Rughal. Abraha went out now with these guides until they went to Al-Mughammas. So from then on, his grave was there. The Arabs used to always pelt his graves with stones every time they passed by. You pass by his grave, you throw some stones at it. Yeah. The Okay, and they used to always just pelt it. Right, because he's a traitor. Mafsud. A man by the name of Al Aswad ibn Mafsud was sent out uh, on, on horses to get to Mecca. So the army's out a little bit, send out like an emissary, an ambassador. And on the way, people submitted and he, they sent money. He took a lot of wealth. And not only that, he was raiding too. Raiding and taking people's animals. In the process, he raided Abdul Muttalib, Ibn Hashim's animals. And he ended up taking 200 camels of Abdul Muttalib. All right. And he was the chief of Quraysh, the elder of Quraysh, and the most respected man of the most most respected tribe. Okay. فَهَمَّتْ قُرَيْشٌ وَكِنَانَةٌ وَهُذَيْلٌ وَمَنْ كَانَ بِذَلِكَ الْحَرَمُ بِقِتَالِهِ Okay, and the people wanted to fight for their chief's animals. Okay. But they realized they can't fight. Nobody can fight Abraha because his army was so big. So Abraha then comes and says, go get us the chief of this people. All right. Do they have a king? Do they have a chief? Bring him over. All right. And tell him, I'm here for their house, their temple, not for him. No one's going to get hurt. Just here to destroy the temple. No one's going to get hurt. Okay. So, Abdul Muttalib comes out. فَلَمَّا دَخْلَ حُنَاطَةُ مَكَّةَ سَأَلَ عَنْ سَيْدِ قُرَيْشُ وَشَرِيفِهَا يَفَقِيلَ لَهُ عَبْدُ الْمُطَّلِبِ النَّهَاشِمْ فَجَاءَهُ فَقَالَ لَهُ مَا أَمَارَهُ بِهِ أَبْرَهَةُ So he told him what Abraha said. No violence here, just want to destroy the house. says, likewise, we do not, we, we have no issue with him and we don't want to fight him. And we couldn't even fight him if we wanted to. Okay? Right? He says, هَذَا بَيْتُ اللَّهِ الْحَرَامِ وَبَيْتُ خَلِيلِهِ إِبْرَاهِيمِ This is the house of Allah and it is the house of the one who made it, Ibrahim alayhi salam. It is the haram of Ibrahim. It's made sacred by him. Right? It's Allah's house. So, so this is actual iman. This is Allah's house. And if if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills for him to destroy the house, then we couldn't stop Allah's will. So either way, we have no business. This is Allah's will. On Allah's house. Hunata says, فانطلق, فانطلق معي إليه. Come with me to him. 
فانه قد امرني ان اتيه بك he says i command he told me to come and bring you فانطلق معه عبد المطلب ومعه بعض بنيه عبد المطلب came he had some sons okay فقال له يا ذا نفر هل عندك من غناء فيما نزل بنا قال له ذو نفر وما غناء رجل اسير بيدي ملك بيد بيدي ملك ملك ينتظر ان يقتله so what does he do? He passes by Dhu Nafar. Remember, Dhu Nafar was the first person to resist, and he's now in a, in a jail. Okay, so he says to Dhu Nafar, you, he's, since he's been there, he says, "Is there a way out for us?" He says, "What way out? I'm already in jail. I have no no option." You need to refocus the camera. All right. I have no, there's nothing that I can do. However, we do know the driver of the elephant. Okay? We do know him. Unais. Unais is the driver of the elephant. I'll talk to him. So maybe he could get the elephant to not cooperate. And I'll see if you can get a meeting with Abraha. All right. So he did this. Alright, he is the chief of Mecca. He is uh, the caretaker. And he wants to see, let him see the king, and he, and two hundred of his camels have been taken, so let him go see the king. So Unais talks to Abraha. Abraha lets him in, and he's described here. Abdul Muttalib is described as physically very impressive, and he has the signs of a king and a chief. The behavior, the he carries himself as a king and a chief. And you have, every election, they always look at the person and say, "Can you see this? Is it presidential in his appearance?" Right. Is he presidential in his appearance? Okay. Or not. So, That he was the most, if we would say presidential, in his appearance. Very, he had the handsomeness, all right, that others didn't have. He was taller than usual. He was someone everyone looked up to. And when Abraha saw him, and Abraha was the opposite, Okay. He did not have any of these physical characteristics. So, He immediately had awe of him. He brought him to sit next to him. Okay. He would not allow him to sit down on the floor while Abraha is on a throne or on pillows. They used to just carry around whatever they used to carry around. So he had him sit next to him. Okay. Then he said to him, uh, through an interpreter, what is your need? Interpreter interpreted back. They said, there are 200 camels of mine that you have taken. I want them back. Immediately, Abraha's face changed. He said, here I am coming to destroy your religion, to destroy dinuka, wadin abaik, all right? Ataytu lihadmiha. I have come to destroy your religion and the religion of your fathers. And you are speaking to me about camels? 
and animals. All right. Abdul Muttalib answers with a very simple legal answer. Okay. Rabb. I'm the I'm in charge of these camels. And the house has its own lord. So you have to worry about this house. Right? And he says here, Abraha responds, Well, your God cannot stop me. He gave Abraha, Abraha gave him back his 200 camels. What did Abdul Muttalib do? He went back to Quraysh. Okay? And he commanded everybody to leave the, the hollow of the valley. The center of the valley. Everyone leave the center of the head for the mountains. Okay? Head for the mountains. But what is, he's, he's the emir. He's responsible for the people and the safety of the people. All right? Everyone go to the edges of the mountains and the shi'ab and the far away from the hollow area of the house. Okay? So that no, the, the army doesn't abuse you. He took the ring at the door of the Kaaba, Abdul Muttalib, and some people around him, making one final dua. He said, Oh Allah, this is your house. We have no choice, no power against this enemy, and this is your house. And it says, La humma inna al-abda rahlahu famna hilalak. We protect our things so you protect your possession okay okay let not their cross defeat you defeat your house in kunta tarikuhum okay all right if you have willed for them to destroy your house then this is your right. This is Allah's haqq to allow anyone to destroy anything he wants. It's all his kingdom, right? There's nothing that is anybody else's. Everything is from Allah, right? Uh, everything is in the possession of Allah, so wherever it goes, one way or the other, it doesn't make a difference. Then Abdul Muttalib left. They left that little dua that they were making. Imagine, that must have been an extremely powerful moment in history. Really powerful time, uh, that point where there's an army around, everyone's fleeing, okay, and they all fled to the hills, and they watched. Next morning is the morning of the destruction, okay, and entrance into Mecca. They all start to enter Mecca, and you can hear their army marching forth. Mahmud. The name of this field was Mahmud, okay. And he made up his mind. He's going straight to the destroy the Kaaba and go back to Yemen. All right. Looks like there's only one field. They sent the field towards Mecca. Nufail came and he went to this elephant. Last ditch effort. Okay. Last ditch effort. He's going to talk to an animal. Okay. Last ditch effort. He took his, uh, he held it, lift up his ear, says, Ubruk awrja' rashidan min haythu jit fa'innaka fi baladillahi al-haram thumma arsala udhuna. Very quickly, he snuck and he said, stop or turn back to where you came from 
for you are in the sacred city of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is Allah's sacred house. And immediately it worked. Right? And the animal just stopped moving. Alright. Okay. Then he left. So they started to try to hit the elephant and make the elephant move and strike it and yell at it and get all the drivers and anyone knows how to do an elef- uh, move an elephant, make loud noises, scare the elephant. Elephant wouldn't move. So they said, all right, let's turn him around start over. They turned him around. As soon as they turn away from the Kaaba, the elephant gets up and moves and walks. They said, okay, let's wrap him around. Okay, use, wrap him around. As soon as they wrap him around, he stops walking. So they actually got further by doing that, okay? And they continued to do this until uh, they became frustrated. And then when they turned him, they tried to do it again, he ran the opposite direction. Now, yuharwilu, says here, okay? Yuharwilu, he was running at this point. And as soon as they turn him back towards the Kaaba, he stops. So they keep getting further away. Finally, as they were getting frustrated with this, from the direction of the sea, which is from the west, birds, small birds, not big birds, okay, came with little pebble size, chickpea size pebbles in each hand and in their claw. Okay. Each bird carrying three. حَجَرٌ فِي مِنْ قَارِهِ وَحَجَرَانِ فِي رِجْلَيْهِ أَمْثَالِ الْحِمَّصِ Or الْحُمَّصِ We call it hummus. Chickpeas. The size of a chickpea. وَالْعَدَسِ Lentils. Really small. Okay. This is, these are not big birds. Okay. لَا تُصِيبُ مِنْهُمْ أَحَدًا إِلَّا هَلَكِ Okay. Not every... They drop it. It's a unique thing where it goes straight into the earth. It doesn't hit the ground and bounce. It doesn't hit your helmet and bounce. If it hits you, it goes through you. It's swallowed into the earth and you never see it again. Right? It's something from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Not everything hit though. Sometimes it went just straight into the earth. But it scares people. They're, they're, they're trying to avoid this. And everyone started running. Okay, Almost done here. يَبْتَدِرُونَ الطَّرِيقَ الَّذِي مِنْهُ جَاءُوا And يَتَسَاقَطُونَ بِكُلِّ طَرِيقَ They're running in every which way. Chaos. Running in every which way. يَهْلِكُونَ Some of them dying. Okay. Some of them getting injured. And some of them being not getting anything at all. But fleeing. وَأُصِيبَ أَبْرَاهَةُ فِي جَسَدِهِ He got hit in the body. But not in his head. So what happened is, what is the wisdom behind this, is that when this happened and everyone fled, what happens when everyone flees? In different directions. They spread the story. And because they're all seeking refuge with any tribe, there's nomads everywhere and Bedouins everywhere, and they're just taking their animals and running for their lives, and they settle with a family or they settle with the people and they tell them the story. So... When so many people are telling the story to so many different people, what is ever similar in the story is the truth. And that's in epistemology called al-khabr al-sadiq. It is that there is a certain way, with certain conditions, transmitted 
knowledge gives uh, uh, or yields certainty. So when so many different people tell so many separate people, and those separate people come together and say, hey, what did you hear? What did you hear? Whatever is, is the same is the truth. Okay? There was no time to, to, to make up. There. Why would you make up a humiliation like this of your army? You wouldn't make it up. So that is mass transmission of the miracle of Quraysh. So what, why are all these stories preceding the seerah? Is to show how Allah Ta'ala had made the, the path to Muhammad specifically, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, through Quraysh, through Bani Hashim, okay, a trodden path. Like there are so many reasons why you should believe that it would make sense that a prophet comes from that city, from that tribe, a clan, from that household, right? All of these incidents, this is just one of them. Okay, he's going to cover the well of Ab- Abdul Muttalib and the arbitration of Abdul Muttalib and the slaughter of Abdullah too later on. Okay. So here you have a sit where everyone now honors Quraysh. Everyone's afraid of Quraysh. And Sayyidah Aisha herself said, I met three of them. She met three men uh, who were very old, living in that time, uh, still alive in her time. And they told the story. Right? They would tell the story. So the story was repeated because back in those days, like a great, this story will last a lifetime, right? You need stories. There's not a lot of events that happen. What is an Arab out in the desert? When they make a fire and they need to tell stories, what are they going to say? Uh, uh, what do they say? Uh, something like Adi stole a, a goat. <laughs> okay. What is the story? They need to tell stories. This is an amazing story. So if you're someone traveling, let's say you're traveling to your relative in Bahrain. You travel all the way across the desert. Every time you stop and see new people, you're going to tell them the story. And you want to be the first person to break the news. You don't know what happened. And they love the news. Why? Because they hate Abraha. He's their enemy. So by hating their enemy, they unknowingly, unbeknownst to themselves, elevated Quraysh. Everyone was elevating Quraysh. Now when this happened, they said Quraysh is a, is a protected people. Okay. And when there's a protected people, when they travel, don't touch them. Don't touch them. Don't harass them. Don't tax them. Don't do anything. Don't try to invade, uh, stop them. They're a protected people. And on top of that, Ibn Abbas says, after this, everyone wanted to marry into Quraysh. And that's why uh, the Prophet said, the description of the Prophet, that he is one amongst you. Min anfusikum. He says literally, min anfusikum, because he, the Prophet, the Bani Hashim, they have a relative in every tribe. There is intermarriage in every tribe. Quraysh specifically and Bani Hashim as well. Okay. Or maybe not Bani Hashim, but Quraysh. Because Bani Hashim was two. That was, okay, it was after. But uh, Quraysh. He has marriage, intermarried in every tribe of, Quraysh, uh, uh, of the Arabs. So that's one of the wisdoms here. And we'll soon, inshallah ta'ala, be trying to put these together. Uh in a little write-up because there's very interesting stories here about the pre-Islamic Yemeni uh, kings. All right, you're off, my man? All right, take care of yourself. Uh, safe travels. How long is the flight to Georgia? Two hours, inshallah. Two hours, inshallah. Not bad. Okay, sounds good. Take care, my man. Send our salam to Chief Latif. Oh, he is? What is he saying? Who? Some chocolate guy.
Shockwave. Shockwave owes us an old hair. All right, take care, my man. All right, so that takes us to 2.15, which means now we're, we're in for the Monday, usually more extended Q&A session. That's segment three, but before that, uh, it's if you are interested in taking classes, if you are up for taking classes, this is the time to do it. Okay, this is the time to do it. Um, arcview.org. It's getting a revamp. Okay, it is getting a revamp, but... Uh, you can sign up for arcview.org and you can start taking classes. You can also support this stream on patreon.com slash Safina Society. Yes. Where? We have a word from our sponsor, Ocean County Retina. If you want to get your eyes checked, if you want to get Laser surgery, not LASIK, but laser surgery, and get a correction, get your correction of your eyesight. This is the place to do it. Ocean County Retina. Uh, all you guys, I don't see you're not wearing glasses. Need your eyes checked? So go get your eyes checked. I don't know how, how you guys uh, spend all this time looking at the computer like that. To be honest with you, doesn't it hurt your eyes after a while? That's why I said I need to come in person and learn. Yeah. Maybe Doctor Amin, when he comes here, uh, he can do a little pop-up shop, check everyone's eyes out. Yeah. Muhammad says, "Please elaborate on this line from a poem on Al Isra wal Mi'raj." And Salla wara'aka minhum kullu khatarin Means that everyone prayed behind you Al-Khatar uh, Is someone of worth and value Okay Prayed behind you is everyone of worth and value Meaning the prophets Okay What else do we have here? Uh, you can go to lacosina367.org and be a supporter. Okay. Be a supporter. lacosina367.org and support this great work that we now have reached and surpassed 100 a day, uh, a meal. Last week, we, f- we had our first 100 plus we broke the 100 barrier last Wednesday. Yeah. Have you ever been to one? Six o'clock, you guys can go to one. Six to seven. You saw it? We broke the barrier, the 100 mark, for the first time. Okay. So you can go to La Cucina, 367.org. Okay. Yeah. Allahu Akbar. Subhanallah. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Your mic was on, right? That's. Alhamdulillah. MashaAllah. Why is it called La Cusina 367? Firstly, La Cusina, the web address was taken, and 367 is the physical address here. It's a street address. 
So that's why it's called La Cucina 367. Everything we did is La Cucina 367. Number one, it helps you remember it, but also La Cucina, it's, it's not a very specific name. So there's a lot of cocinas out there. So that's why we tucked in the 367. Here's a question by the Moha. I came by recently Muhammad Hijab in a debate. He claimed it is common knowledge that Muslim and Bukhari are not 100% authentic. How do we reconcile with this? I don't know what he meant by that. There is... Adarqutni. He pulled out four ahadith in from Bukhari, which he held were not at the level of Saha. Ibn Hajar refuted him. Ibn Hajar refuted him on these four. So out of all those ahadith, Daraqutni could pull out four from Bukhari. Now, by the way, just because a hadith is sahih to Bukhari does not mean all the madhabs have to act upon it. You have to understand this. Okay, so the riwayah is 100% sound. That we agree upon. But the dalala is not necessarily something that the fuqaha will act upon. They may have a stronger evidence. Malik and Abu Hanifa oftentimes will not go with Bukhari hadiths as a ruling. But Shafi'i, it's like 97%. Like, uh, there was a Shafi, a big Shafi scholar from South Africa, Taha Karan, who said that he examined the hadith of Bukhari and that, that were hadith of rulings. I compared that to Shafi'i fiqh and he found like 97 out of 100 every hundred were exactly the same ruling. All right. Chief Latif says he uses blue light glasses because screens give me a headache, but the problem with those is they look a bit funny. That's the only problem with them. Sharif Antayos. Ayantayo. Right. I guess they were talking to somebody. If all the prophets' ancestors were monotheists, why was Abdu'l-Manaf named such by his father? I don't know that Manaf is a pre-Islamic deity. Is it? It could be. Manaf. Is it Manaf a pre-Islamic deity? Isn't Iman not required pre-revelation anyway? Um, Iman is not required without receiving news of the message. And nonetheless, we still hold that the f- direct fathers and mothers of the Messenger وسلم, were Hanifs. When they didn't receive the message, they were Hunafa. That we hold. Mrs. E, anything to add? Abdu'l-Manaf? Okay, let me know what you find out. Yes. All of them, all the forefathers, yeah. All the forefathers are deemed. Abdul Muttalib, we know explicitly, he's a Hanif. Yes, Manaf was a pre-Islamic deity. It means ele- the elevated. Okay, personal names such as Abdul Manaf show that this deity was widespread amongst the Quraysh and others. So. There may have not been a Sharia observation of Sharia. They didn't have Sharia, right? But he could still have been a Hanif, and he could still be uh, uh, and name his son that he doesn't. He doesn't have a Sharia to to, to observe. 
Okay. So Sharif has answered that question. Alim al-Muslimin says, how does alcohol and foods for fermentation work? Does it have to be a certain percentage or is it best to stay away? Alcohol in foods for fermentation. Well, once you put alcohol on food, you have made all of it najis. Mutanajis. Kullu mutanajis. Okay. So that's at least in, I can give you the medical opinion on that. So you have maybe a pot of sauce and you put some alcohol in it and you mix it in for the flavor. It won't get anyone drunk, but just a little bit for the flavor. You have rendered the whole pot to be mutanajis. Right or wrong? Hanafi? They, they say no about that. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Ahnaf? It's different for you. The amount has to be, like, it has to be under a certain amount. It has to be in a way that's not for vain purposes. It has to be used in a way that's non-intoxicating. Yeah. And I forget the other one. It's uh, similar. Like it's All right, there's four... Preconditions of using alcohol Four conditions of using alcohol In your food for the Hanafis The Talib Ilm Remembered three You common Ahnaf out there in the kitchens Will not remember all four So it's haram <laughs> Just don't do it Right Just don't do it Vain purposes Vain purposes There's got to be a certain amount Don't use it for But isn't Okay So for the Hanafis Separate khamr into Khamr is different Different That's purely modern, negative We're talking about modern Yeah so you're talking about not that's nudges. Yeah, that's nudges. So you can't not even a drop. No, I don't. Think so grape and date wine, to, see the ahnaf separate, and they have khamr, is grape and date wine. Yeah. And that is nudges, okay. But let's say, oh, uh, beer, or let's say something that is made like champagne from apples, and I put a little bit in the in the in the chocolate to give it a flavor. Or rum. What is rum made out of? I don't know, I think but it's like something. It's, like it's probably better to be ignorant about these things, but maybe not too ignorant so that you don't sound like... But every all these different alcohols are made out of something different, right? Vodka, I think, is from potatoes. Something is from rice. Another thing is from rice. But whatever it is, okay, beer is from wheat. Rum is from sugar cane. Okay? So you put these things into food for flavor. You find this all the time. Okay. Now, I'm not going to quote the Hanafi fiqh, but I'll tell you all that they do separate between the intoxicants, two of which are najis okay, and haram mutlaqan, the rest of which are not najis in themselves. And what is haram is to get intoxicated from them. And they have fatawa. That closed the door because this is a slippery slope. They have fatawa. I, I said I'm not going to quote the Hanafi Fiqh, but I just did. Okay, but they have fatawa that you should read up on that will close this slippery slope. But those slippery slope, not a slippery slope, but that ruling is extremely useful for medicine when it comes to medication. Extremely useful because many people need to take medications that have alcohol content in it, but it's not from dates or grapes. Therefore, as long as he doesn't get drunk, they could take it. Extremely useful. Okay. But in the Maliki school, in the Shafi'i school, and I believe in the Hanbali school too, um, it's simply that all things that intoxicate are under the banner of khamr. Okay? 
they rely upon the hadith, Kullu muskidin khamr. Abu Hanifa has a reason not to rely upon that hadith for his ruling. And he has strong evidence. One time Sayyidina Umar passed by a man who was drunk, who was laying down drunk. Sayyidina Umar picked up the drink. He saw it was a fruit drink that had fermented too much. What did Sayyidina Umar do? Pour it all out as najasa. He took water and he diluted it for him. And he gave it back to him. I heard, I read from a Hanafi work, they relied upon, and they, they didn't rely that that's not, I didn't say, say that that's their source, but they showed that that's a proof. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, if you use that and for the flavor of it, and you say that the, you boil it over, the flavor stays and the intoxicating property goes. But nonetheless, you're bringing wine and alcohol into your cabinets now, into your houses now. That's number one. Number two, it wasn't altered before you put it in from the, let's say, the medical perspective. It was khamr first. Then you put it in. You, you made the whole soup just now. Question yes. For the Madikis, like when it comes to the ayah of khamar, is it like, uh, so I know Imam Shafi, he, he uses khamar as like something that, like, uh, what's it called? The khimar, basically, right? Covers. He makes that as a, like a proof that every intoxicant, like drugs, they're haram. I know the, the Hanafis, from what I recall, is we say khamar is referring to the alcohol that, like, of know, the like Prophet's time. The wine. But then we make qiyas on top of that. So is it like, is this, what's, what's no. the Madiki like? All all intoxicants are one. So is it like qiyas off of khamar? Or is it like the khamar is including all the intoxicants? What do the manikis say? The khamar includes all the fermented intoxicants. So right? it's like like the linguistic basically. Is, is yeah. that what the manikis Just the linguistic, yeah. And, and the only separate that we separation that we have is regarding dry or fluid. Hmm. That which is dry is not najis. Intoxicants are only nudges in fluid form. So certain drugs would be in a needle, for example. That's nudges. Any intoxicant in a liquid form. It's linguistic. It's not on qiyas. Any intoxicant in a, ling- in, in a liquid form is nudges. Zayn says, you said shafa'ah is the last level of forgiveness. So should we make dua to receive the blessed shafa'ah of the Prophet? Would that not imply missing out on direct forgiveness? Number one, you pray for that does not mean you do not pray for direct forgiveness and that you do not make dua for immediate forgiveness and enter Jannah without any hisab at all, right? Such as the martyrs. So when when you're... making safety precautions to don't you build all build out all the precautions right you build out all the precautions right you don't just you hope to not need any of them you hope to die a martyr and enter jannah without any hisab let alone being forgiven this is not what we would hope for but you have to build out all your precautions many times the dua it's not like we only have one dua we have multi, we can make many different dua uh, i'll give you another example someone says i want to do something but i'm finding hardships should i continue my efforts to do it or should i pray istikhara because maybe something allah doesn't want for me the answer is both why are you limited to one you continue persisting upon it while praying istikhara the istikhara will make the matter very difficult and impossible 
and you will know that it's not for you or it will make it easy. But while you're doing that, you still work at it despite the obstacles. Always keep in mind that shaitan always wants a person to give up and not use your willpower. How do you, the question is, how do you know if you are pleasing Allah in a matter? Simple, the law, the sharia. You weigh your actions in the scale of the sharia. If it's um, a a, 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 a type of middle matter, neither, it's not really spelled out. So, yeah, so then you would say, if an honorable person came, would I want to do it in front of him? If it was presented to the public, that's the that is one of the the, the Muslim practicing public uh, practicing Muslims. If it was presented to them, so that's that's one of the measures. Why? Because the Prophet said, "If something is 50-50 getting raided." <laughs> uh, he put him in timeout, Vladimir. We got a bunch, like one here, one here. All right, we're getting raided on the YouTube Imran chat Hussein, here. Imran Hussein followers. Oh, Imran Hussein followers. Okay. So we got one right here. You're all gog and magog. One you right seeing here. that? We got some over here. The the uh, Imran Hussein followers. Listen, I never said anything look, bad look, about look, Imran look. Hussein. This guy right here. Okay, so listen to this. Um, listen to this. This book criticizes Imran Hussein's methodology and conclusion, which he says publicly, right? So, never impugned his character or spread a rumor about him. Anyway, the next, um, I'm going to see the Instagram comments in a second. What were we saying about the shady matters, the, the things that are 50-50 that I really don't know? Then the Prophet himself said, you check your heart, number one, and ask if this was released to the public. How would you feel? And that's the, that directs your behavior. Okay, let's go to the Instagram comments. Not sure, but Instagram is not getting any love today, says Bin Suleiman. All right, here's Bin Suleiman. Confused on the pre- precedence of authority between the Muatta and Sahih Bukhari, the Madikiyah holds Muatta to be stronger, and the Shafi'iyah holds Bukhari to be stronger. Okay, and the Hanaf. I don't know what they say. Okay. I don't know what they say. And the Hanabila, I think they rely upon Sahih Bukhari more. Okay. Question? Yeah. I've heard of this term, uh, Talfiq, or something like this. Talfiq? Yeah, where you, uh, the layman has several uh, in front of him, and he takes the one that is, is like easiest. So I'm thinking about this situation with that. One is the guys in the restaurant, and then they say, "Oh, you know, there is a little bit of uh, alcohol in this food." That's particularly. About, I'm not asking about the restaurant situation as much as it the issue of talfiq. Tal- all right, talfiq is mixing between madhabs by people knowledgeable enough to know that there's something called madhabs and there's differences of opinion. The common man doesn't do talfiq. The common man doesn't even know what madhabs. Are and what their methodologies are. Okay, so 
once you become learned enough to know, oh, there are methods and there are opinions, and then dis, and then you go about cooking up your religious life a la carte. All right, I'm Hanbali in socks, Maliki in food, okay, uh, Hanafi in, in marriage contracts where the wali doesn't have to be involved, and so on and so forth, all right, then that's talfiq. And that person's methodology is that um, if they do talfiq per act of worship, so all of my wudu will be Hanafi. All of my salah will be shafi. All of my zakah will be hanbali. Then their ibadah is valid, but their methodology is still is 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 madhmum, blameworthy. Why? Because a methodology is not developed. That's that's not a methodology, right? The right method of doing anything is to choose what is most worthy of following, and then to follow that method or imam. Same thing, right? forever in everything until there's a serious hardship which is within reason to then take a weaker opinion or another method altogether so their methodology is blameworthy and it's never a methodology that will be transmitted right because you'll sit there and say well why did you choose to follow hanbali and wudu oh because i like to wipe over socks why did you choose madiki and food because they can basically eat more food than animals than anybody else Right? Why did you follow Shafi'i in slaughtering? Because they don't require us saying the basmala, right? So it's even easier. So, 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 but your version of ease may not be someone else's version of ease. It may be easier for me just to follow one book, right? So, the ease aspect is not a methodology. You know, a methodology is to find out which imam is most worthy of following. In your opinion, you use your mind in that. That's where you use your intellect. And then you move on, for, move from there. Okay, so that is that's basically a common man does not do talfiq. The common man just follows whatever his imam tells him, or his parents tell him, or his friend tells him that he relies upon in his in deen. Right, that's it. And by common man, we don't need somebody who is um, uh, dumb. He's not stupid, dumb, or unable to learn. He just his attention is directed to a different discipline. Just like if you tell any one of us about, you know, refrigerators, fixing a refrigerator. It's not something you even want to learn. I don't even want to learn it. So when the guy comes to look at the fridge, I say, give me the verdict. He says, well, there's a little device to cut out all that. Get straight to the bottom line, right? Does it need to be replaced? Yes or no, right? If he benefits from it being replaced, then I want to know the evidence. But if the guy stands, or if I trust him, or he doesn't stand to benefit from its replacement, right? Just get to the bottom line. I don't care about coils. I don't care about anything that's behind the fridge. Why? Because I know that I have, right, at this moment in time, neither the time, nor the interest, nor the storage space, okay, to discuss this. Give me the summary conclusion, right? That's it. The common man is likewise. He could be a surgeon. He could be a brain surgeon. He calls you up. Hey, I have this stock portfolio for, do I pay zakat? Yes or no? He doesn't need to dust. He's a brain surgeon. He does not have time. Give me the yes or the no. Just like I'm like that with the fridge, he's like that with the dean. He wants to do his obligation towards Allah. Give me the answer, yes or no, right? That is the ammi in Islam, 
right? And it's not a good position to be in, in Islam, but it's acceptable, right? Because it's not practical or feasible that every single individual is going to learn fiqh. Okay, so I'm, the Ami in Islam do not take that as an insult that someone is unintelligent. It's not the case at all. Hey, can you possibly point this to the fan and shut it off? I keep pointing it to it, not shutting it off though. Why do major du'at from the Najdiyya keep referring to the Ashaira as Mu'tazila? Well, that's not true. The Ashaira are not Mu'tazila. It's obviously two different groups. They teach the students that the Ashari's hold the same credo beliefs as the Mu'tazila. Um, that's not the case at all. Can you briefly explain what does it mean when they say the Prophet ﷺ is alive in his grave? Well, does not Allah says, do, do not say that the martyrs are dead. So, martyrs. All beings. All human beings, let's say. All human beings. Their, simp- their death is the end of the worldly life. That is the meaning of death for us. The end of the worldly life. And it's the beginning of the life of the barzakh. The life of the barzakh, just like this world, this world you could be poor and miserable or rich and happy, right? There's a gradation of how you live. Likewise in the barzakh, you could be, it could be worse than this world and it could be almost as good as heaven, except that you cannot enjoy what the body enjoys. That's the difference, right? So the body has, there has enjoyments that the soul cannot enjoy until it's put into a body again. But the soul can enjoy things and enjoy its state. Okay? In the barzakh. So it could be that good too. So the barzakh is even, if this is Hayat dunya the range between miserable and happy, barzakh is far greater. But it's souls only, not bodies. Hence, time is different, movement is different, everything is different. We can't even fathom it. Okay? So uh, that barzakh, that life of barzakh, is a form of living it's not you don't just disappear and die into nothingness so you, it is a form of living and who is going to who lived best in this world who understood best and had the best living in this world not phys, doesn't have to be physically but the prophets right the anbiya they knew Allah best they had the most taqwa they were the nearest to Allah their stress was was the least even though their trials were the most why because their ibadah was the most and their knowledge of Allah was the most so their stress level was the least despite that their trials were the worst okay so people say how could the prophets be happy if they had so many trials they had trials they also had a great ma'rifah of Allah and ibadah and they brought so much sakinah upon them through themselves through their ibadah they, 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 they woke up at the right time for tahajjud that gives you a lot of sakinah they used to pray almost half the night of Tajud. Or most of the night minus a little bit at Surat Al-Muzzammin. Qum al-layl, ay kull al-layl, illa qalila. And that's how the Prophet ﷺ was. So he brought down a lot of sakina that washed away a lot of the stress. So just as the Prophets lived in the, be- the best way possible here, their existence in the Barzakh is the best too. Okay, So that's the meaning of alive in the graves. Their perceptions, their, no- their knowledge of Allah Ta'ala, all of that is even greater in the barzakh. And they're free from all hardships. There's no hardship anymore in the barzakh. There is reward and punishment in the barzakh. There's reward and punishment. Okay? Uh, there is na'im al-qabr and adab al-qabr. 
there's punishment in the grave and there's blessings in the grave, right? There's there's enjoyment of the grave. Not the Prophet said it's a, it can it opens the grave opens for the mu'min as a garden of the gardens of paradise. So there is no hardship. That's a difference. Prophet, this life faces the most hardship more than anyone else. Next life, no hardships at all. Barzakh, no hardships at all. Okay. So that is the meaning, and that's the answer for Abdul Hafid. Let's see who else is going on on Instagram. Uh, we got here. Books of Sira available in English. One of them, which I haven't gotten, which I heard a lot of good things about, is called Sultan of Hearts. So I haven't read it myself. Huh? You can find a PDF online, too, if, it's not, if like, you want to read it. Yeah, you, you could probably read it on online. Um, I'm sure the publisher is not going to like that. But I don't know who, who is it that sneaks these manuscripts online, right? Is it, it's not possible that someone's actually scanning these books. These are massive books. All right, let's go to bin Suleiman. Imam al-Nawi saying, of dawah to parents, what to do if the parent was a convert, a revert, but never practiced, but the kids are. Uh, in this book, The Rights of Parents, it is mentioned that you can give dawah to your parents as long as it does not, is not in a way that makes them feel belittled. You can, you can give dawah to the parents as long as it's in a way that does not make them feel belittled. Chocolate Wallace says, in a recent khutbah was said regarding the hadith on three people on whom the pen is lifted. The insane, until he regains his sanity, is one of them. For example, the sleep, the sleeping, and the one who forgot. Those three are not guilty. Now, the forgot may be guilty. May, he may owe the dia, He may owe compensation, but he's not guilty. You're not legally liable, or you're not guilty, we should say, on what you are forced to do, what you forgot, and what you did by mistake. So you are you you are you 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 may owe compensation, but you're not guilty. Okay, we're not gonna say you're a murderer, but you owe compensation. But you're talking about the pen is completely lifted from that person. When he's insane, and he's asking, can this also apply to someone depressed? And I would have to say no. The answer is not. It would would be no. M- being depressed uh, would not, for example, lift the obligation of salah. Okay, and one of the reasons here is that in regarding certain matters, there needs to be a binary. And so anything that has a fuzzy edge is legally as if it's nothing. So things that have a fuzzy edge to it. Depression has a funny edge, fuzzy edge. Sanity, it, there, there, there is a fuzzy edge at some, some points in sanity, but the definition of sanity is that if you tell them right and left, they don't know. That is the official shara'i definition of sanity. If you know you're right from left and you can follow a sentence or what have you, uh, and, and answer back, you are sane in the eyes of the Sharia. Okay. If the door has closed after istikhara, can we still make dua for a desired outcome? Yes, you can. If the door temporarily closed. For example, I didn't get into the school of my desire this year. 
And the letters have gone out. Yeah, that's they're still next year. You would have to make some sacrifices, such as, uh, you know, changing schools or skipping a year. So if you still want it, it's still possible. So if the te- if it's a temporary closure. Difference of opinion on permissibility of music. There's no difference of opinion on string instruments. There is a difference of opinion on the wind instruments. And there is a difference of opinion on the degree of permissibility of the percussion instruments. Um, with the Medicaid being the strictest of them. Holding the only, the open-ended drum is only permitted in weddings. That's it. Whereas the other madhabs have advan- uh, expanded the duff to include percussions and permitted at all times. So that's, and, and any anything that comes out of a uh, computer program or a software of, of sorts, you would just l- align it with what it sounds like. It could sound like a voice, in which case it's permitted. Could sound like a hum, permitted, right? And then if it sounds like a string instrument, give it the ruling of the string instrument. If it sounds like a, du- a percussion, you give it that ruling. Okay. How do you train your body to need less sleep? I don't believe that a person should go that route. You can really hurt yourself and 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 make yourself maybe even sick. Remember Abdullah uh, Sheikh uh, Bimbeya talking about that way back in the day. And but what you should, um, one way to keep yourself from from maximizing, optimizing your sleep is to sleep at the right timings. So the first, like nine p.m. to one a.m. is the optimal time to sleep. Likewise, the short nap in the middle of the day is an optimal time to sleep. Right? Uh, what is the sleep that will make you more tired? Is, um, the early morning, such as Fajr that time you sleep through that time and you'll become even more tired it's it's not a it's not a good sleep for you also what is the bad sleep the worst time to sleep is while it's still daytime until it's nighttime so that you slept while the sun is up and you woke up while the sun is down the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam says uh if your intellect has been taken from you one who does that and your intellect is taken from you don't blame anyone but yourself in other words, it would mess you up. All right, question in a recent khutbah we mentioned, we answered that. Can you explain or refute? People say the Prophet parents and uncle are not in Jannah. Yes, there's no proof that the Prophet's father is not. There's actually the proof of the opposite. He says that I was born from the best of the best from the best, which means that the Prophet would not say that a pagan is the best. And that the Prophet's the hadith, Anawa. The ab here refers to the uncle Because the abba are your uncles Your fathers Your grandfathers all And anyone who raised you can be called an ab In the Arabic language So Refers to Abu Lahab okay, Not The father of the Prophet Okay Was Waraka a Hanif He was a Christian Waraka was a Christian, but he then believed in the Prophet ﷺ before there was any shahada. But the the the, the meaning, the madmoon of his speech was that he believed in the Prophet, peace be upon him. So he was actually one of the first believers, even though there was no concept of a shahada at the time. But he did say, what you received is revelation. And so that's not Iman by itself, because many said that. Abu Jahl, 
he said this is not poetry right that is not enough what he said afterwards he said and if i am was alive when they remove you from this city i would have helped you or if i was young i would have helped you that is giving victory to the prophet that the madmoon of that speech is iman uh, belief you say something Samuel? Which is which one? Preparing for the Prophet Sallallahu mm. That none of the enemies brought it up. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. None of the enemies brought it up that said that um, you're leaving your own forefather's ways. Whereas that was a crit- critique of everyone. You're, you're leading the people away from our forefathers in general. So no one actually critiqued the Prophet himself. Asiyuti brings this up. That no one said to the Prophet, this is not your forefather's way or your parents' way. Regarding the Salaf as well, uh, we also mentioned in the same class that uh, Imam Abu Hanifa in his Fiqh al-Akbar, that's his position. Because like you'll see like there's different manuscripts and uh, Sheikh Murad mentioned that Imam al-Kawthiri, he found a manuscript which stated specifically Imam Abu Hanifa on the position that uh, the Prophet's parents were Hanif. Hanifs. And then uh, like also Mullah Liqari, he also writes this in uh, his Sharh on uh, the Shifa. Yeah. Same thing, he's the same position. So the Hanifi, if you're going by Aqidah, yeah. it's the Hanifi Aqidah yeah. on this position. Good. Your mic was on, right? Yeah. Everyone heard him? Good. Praise of the Prophet said, how can we cultivate a love for the Prophet in ISOC slash MSA? Then I would have for every meeting, you can open up by reading a page or half a page of the description of the Prophet or the seerah of the Prophet. And when a person is oft remembered and mentioned, then naturally people come to love them. Uh, also, what are the? Well, how do we benefit from the Prophet? That's all in the book Shifa of Qadi Ayyad, which may be a bit dense for the beginner, but they have sections there where we. Where, how do we benefit from the Prophet peace be upon? And when you realize that you are the number one beneficiary, then you would love somebody. I heard an Imam say, "The awliya benefit is more after their death than when they were alive." This doesn't make sense to me. Uh, the mu'min. And the Salih, after they die, they there are no deeds to be done anymore. There's no deeds. Good deeds or bad deeds. But there is, that doesn't negate that there is learning. Learning more about the kingdom of Allah. And how do you become more of an, you understand Allah better after death? It's because you see more of his creation. Right? The more you see the creation of Allah, the more you understand him. His attributes. Because all creation is different manifestations Okay, so for example, when you see the uh, a predator, a, a vicious predator, that's a manifestation of wrath, right? So the divine attributes are not all just mercy. There is also intiqam, al muntaqim is also his attribute. So when people say mercy, everything should be mercy. Uh, because that is a divine attribute. Yes, that is the number one divine attribute. But there are other divine attributes. Okay, why do bad things happen when God's merciful? Because God also uh, avenges, right? He has intiqam. He's also al khafid He lowers people. He lowers cities. He lowers individuals. He raises and he lowers. He is also al qabid He can constrict hearts. Right? Al-Mudil. He can humble you. 
There are many attributes of Allah. So it's part of ignorance and a trick of shaitan to just give you part of the truth. And that's why ignorance, partial partial knowledge is as bad as it is worse than ignorance because it can confuse you about something. Whereas I'm totally ignorant about it. I, don't, I can't take a position. But if I have partial knowledge, I can, I'll take a position. I think I'll have evidence, but I won't have all the... Uh, uh, necessary evidence to make a, a, a correct position so I end up on a bad position thinking it's the right position like a okay. that's a wahm right an imagination of something to be true that's not whereas jahl is a complete zero uh, what do you know about you know a subject oh complete jahl I don't know anything you're better you're in a better position than someone who know, has a little piece of evidence hence has made a conclusion and, and believes that the, he, he arrived at the truth when you didn't so it's from the work of shaitan and it's from the work of it's 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 uh jahl murakkab also known as wahm same this you can interchange it too jahl murakkab and wahm right which is that you only look at one attribute well if that's the, if it's if, if there was only one attribute in the world then no zebra would ever get eaten you would not eat cuz you're eating something else you're plucking a fruit, you're plucking a plant, you're cutting down a using paper, cutting down a tree. Where's the mercy to the tree? So is there anything to expand on what dances of the Habash were permitted and approved? Yes, there is. The scholars say that the dancing of men is below the waist. The dancing of the men is with the knees and the feet, not the hips or the arms. And the dancing of the women has no limits. It's with the women only though. Okay. But the dancing of men is permitted, which what they call without what they call kast, which is moving their hips back and forth. All right. Okay. Angry memories. Um, kindly translate that into English or Arabic. Because that uh, comment in... Uh, Urdu. We don't know how to do it. Habasha are no with the shoulders. Men moving their shoulders. No, the the dancing of men is like for with the knees and the like the like the uh, uh, the depka, right? Twirling a stick is fine. Doing stuff with swords and sticks that they do that's all acceptable. But to move the hips around, then no. That is that's what the ulama say. Okay. What are the benefits of Dala'ul Khairat? Well, it is all Salah on the Prophet, peace be upon him. And as a result of that, it re- reduces anxiety and grief. Okay. Okay. More um, from the Imran Hussein students. Listen, answer the, answer the, the, the critique rather than uh, really yeah. reflecting badly on the one that you call consider your sheikh to be, right? And one of them is saying Jesus is astaghfirullah. Like, this guy's not even a Muslim, so I, like I'm kind of confused what these what's going on here. Okay, so right here? Uh, I'll tell you what's going on. It's like Christians. It's All right, Paraliak, whatever, saying that Jesus is God and we're Gog and Magog. I'll tell you what's going on. It's summertime, and the kids are out. That's what it is. That's that, that's what happens in the summertime in the vacations. The kids are out and they got a hold of their parents, uh, or, or or they got on 
to YouTube and they're being kids. Next question. How does alcohol and food for him? Oh, we answered that one. Okay. You said, sh- okay, we answered a lot of these. What are the virtues of Darut Tanjina? It's all the sayings that are there. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Salatan tunjina biha min jameel ahwali wa lafat wa taqdilana biha jameel hajat. Each one of those, if the salah is accepted, then that, inshallah, will be accepted. All right, Ijam Ilm says, I want to visit MBIC this weekend. You come Thursday and Friday. Those are the days that we have activities going on. Thursday, come around 7, likewise Friday around 7. And we'll all be fasting, inshallah ta'ala. And we'll have a light iftar on Thursday, then we'll have our dhikr after the class, of course. And then we will, on Friday, we have the program about Ashura, the history of Sayyidina Imam al-Hussein, the biography of Sayyidina Imam al-Hussein, and the incident that occurred at Karbala. And then we have a big iftar sure. after that. Friday, uh, this Friday? This Friday. Son of... Hmm? Are you flying in? If you're flying in, you need to contact us so we could t- help take care of you. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take care okay. Well, actually, uh, Brother Salman? Yes. You know he has a like a website that yep. he started. If you wanna, all right, let's take a look at uh, bring them our up. brother Salman's website. Let's pull it up. It's, uh, uh, it's called Salikin, and they have their uh, their intent. Salman will talk to us right now about their purpose, and let's see a picture. Just stand. Uh, Just hold the mic, but don't move it around a lot because that mic makes a lot of noise. No, it's not long enough. You gotta like switch maybe. Like, uh, you know, like what is purpose, like the maqsad, and you know, just everything. Like, yeah, which so one? it's not just a website, it's actually a, a YouTube channel that we started um, initially with the intent of providing halal content for those on YouTube, especially uh, like the younger kids. They'd be watching all these, uh, all this filth online, so similar to um, front, uh, fictional front series mm. in a way. Um, but then we decided to branch it out to more media in general. Uh, so we just started writing blogs and articles. Uh, we just released our first article, which gives more of an explanation about us and why the honeybee, as you can see, our logo is a honeybee. Get the mic closer. That was actually inspired by uh, your video about six months ago. Mm, on the bee. Allah says in the Quran regarding the bee, Fasluki subhanAllah. So that's a connection. Yeah, that's they great. That's really good. Hives, they go uh, to different flowers all over, right? You go to learn from different people. Yeah. What you do is you come back to your community to produce honey. And mm. and Amazing. That, but even the venom of a honeybee is beneficial. Mm-hmm. There's more information on the, the website, and uh, you guys can check out the YouTube channel if you want uh, for more videos. Just some skits right now, but we're definitely looking to to improve and to, to build inshallah. No, it's really good. Very good website. Good effort. And the the key with these things, in my opinion, is to stick with it. You stick with it every year, you get incrementally better mm-hmm. and incrementally more focused on what works and what benefits. Very good. You all heard him? Why are they saying they couldn't hear? Okay, good, good, good. Very good. Okay. Um, 
How do people live in Medina these days? The days days you can live in Medina by getting a visitor's visa, then to just exit or re-get the visa and come back. They, the Saudis will now, or they've loosened it up as long as you're bringing cash in to the country. The Umrah even, you can get online visitor's visa. And property ownership too. But not yet. Yeah. Here's a question about tajalliyat. What is a tajalli first of all? Tajalli is the taking on of a form for Allah's will. So, for example, um, you can say, um, really, truly, everything is a tajalli of Allah's will in some way, shape, and form. And people can, a, a person can receive something specific to them. That's what Sayyidina Jafar al-Sadiq said about his recitation of Qur'an, the karama that he used to have, was that every time he would recite the Qur'an, an ayah would come to him, it was as if Allah was giving it directly to him. So he didn't read it as if it was an ayah, he read it as if, it, he, he received it as if it was a direct message to himself. That's an example of a tajalli. Tajalli is that the will of Allah Ta'ala takes on a form for you specifically. He can also be a bushra. You can call it a bushra, a glad tiding. Okay, so that is what a tajalli, what the the meaning uh, of a tajalli is. Okay, and so that is always, and the tajalli is only in the capacity of the recipient. So someone who does not have the capacity to attain much will get a small tajalli. Okay, and and the very most basic form of that is that kind of uncanny coincidence that someone may say, well, that's impossible to be a coincidence. It must be something that is God sending you a message. And what do we take? We don't have superstition in our religion. What we have is It should make you happy and it should not scare you. The only negative tajalli like tajalli of a warning that we accept is upon the iqbal of the into the haram right and then the t- for example if someone's planning on going to a bar and they they trip and fall you're allowed to interpret that as a sign that I shouldn't be going to the bar why because you're always going to be right with that and you have something greater than that which is the verse telling us not to go to drink that's greater than that right that's why it is permitted to see everything as a sign from Allah that is for me to stop doing something if that thing is haram because you'll always be wrong. But we don't say if it's halal, we wouldn't we wouldn't take those things. For example, I'm about to go and, and buy myself a laptop. Oh, I tripped up. Then I got a fender bender. Oh, I shouldn't buy this laptop. No, we don't do we don't go there in the halal. Okay. We only go there in the haram. So I, I was going to uh, somewhere I shouldn't go, got into a fender bend. That's, you should take that as mercy. Allah is giving you a signal, do not do that. Because whether or not that's even true, it is irrelevant because you have a greater uh, message from Allah, which is the Quran itself. So, or Sharia itself. So that's the under, that's the uh, way in which we handle. That's the definition of a tajalliyat and that is how we handle tajalliyat.
When are you? When do you know you're knowledgeable enough to give dawah or give reminders? Any Muslim can give dawah because every Muslim understands tawheed at the most basic level. There's one God. Pagans are not God. Muhammad is the Prophet Now, how good are you going to be is going to be based on your knowledge. But any Muslim, if you know something for sure, you can tell others about it. So there's no there's no taqlid in belief, in aqidah, in, in this crux of aqidah, usul al-aqidah. There is taqlid on the furu'a of aqidah. I can make taqlid that khidr um, is still alive. Some scholars said it, so I believe it. That's a brand, very fine, thin branch of aqidah, right? I can make taqlid on that. I cannot, I, I cannot make taqlid on the usul of iman. So you know that for sure. You could teach that. You can go give da'wah to people. But how? what would be the effectiveness of your da'wah? Uh, not much. You need to learn more. Yeah. One thing I noticed about da'wah is just like, we had the Islam Awareness Week at mm-hmm. Rutgers. Yeah. And um, like, we had, mashallah, we had a couple of brothers that came and, you know, reverted and took the shahada and everything with us. Yeah. And it was like, you know, the brothers that were on the tables in the booth, they weren't really doing much. And they didn't have like a background of knowledge mm-hmm. really like the people that were coming and you know they already had like their mind kind of set and they just needed a push yeah like a sign you could see you know some people like they they use that as like a way to interpret how their life's gonna go like yeah. this is a sign for me yeah so, subhanAllah like one of the brothers uh, he spoke like for five minutes and he took a shahada like we didn't need to like give him like this is what he already pretty is. much was cooked we just told him and like he took it as alright I'm gonna yeah. take my shahada so I think like Especially like We have this dis- uh, discussion All the time Like Habib Omar Like all uh, around the world This is like being mentioned I think Like uh, uh, Sheikh Yasser Fahmi Also mentioned this Like just like how Islam is growing Like in the west And really it's just like You just need the brothers To be there And just have their presence Yeah So that's like you know We're like uh, Like I mentioned We were planning on Starting that initiative Like just da'wah And like uh, And ka'wah Whatever we Yeah ka'wah, Whatever and, uh, I think people like, When they do da'wah They shouldn't even debate don't even get to a debate. Once you argue with somebody, you end up basically, as soon as it becomes tense or back and forth and negating each other, it's not going to work. There's not no way to give da'wah. So just leave it. So just being around, telling stories about how the Prophet wants us to live, things like that, um, should, should should do the trick. And the more we do, the better. You got to so be relatable too. It has to be relatable, yeah. You gotta be, that's why the next generation is going to be doing, is better at the, the, the first one. And the next one will be better than us. Uh, duffs can they be in the melodic the American method? The answer is no, in the dominant opinion. Do you know people personally that have seen the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam? Can we in a dream? Can you tell stories? Yeah, we can get a book and we could read different stories of how the people had visions of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi There's a whole section on in the beginning of Ibn Sirin's book, and I have another book on it, which we'll get that. Is it wrong to ask a woman to sign a prenup before marriage? The prenup before marriage should be that she will rule by the sharia in the case of a divorce. That should be the prenup. Okay. And if you want to specify things, I guess that's, there's no harm in, in specifying something. But that should be our version of it. How was Nabi Lut the nephew of Sayyidina Ibrahim? Is there anything about Ibrahim having a sibling? I heard that he was the cousin, not the nephew, but maybe they said nephew. I can't remember what exactly they said nor, or how the relation was. Do you know? Yeah, we could look that up, inshallah. All right, last question. 
Uh, I'm not Egyptian, he says, but I'll try to ask you in Egyptian. Mukin Natahadda Nasara and Bielanu and Fusuhum wa Ahlihim Zay Maktub fil Quran al Karim Laugala Tanin fi Aqidat Ilaqidabtaitum Hanam al Kidale. So Hamza is saying, Can we do Mubahala against the Christians today? As Mubahala, no. If I'm wrong, then I then may Allah's curse be upon me. If you're wrong, may Allah's curse be upon you. I don't see that that's necessarily shut on by Sharia that it would be wrong for you to do that. I just don't know how it would actually work physically. Yeah. 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 Chief Latif says to you guys, Salakin YouTube and Instagram is straight heat. Okay? Straight heat. That's a new that's a new phrase, I guess. But all right, ladies and gentlemen, we have to stop here. Well done, everybody. Last question. What's the ruling on taking psychedelics? If it's if it's for a clinically depressed person who's tried everything, even if prescribed by a doctor, it would still be forbidden for us to take mind-altering drugs as a medicine. At all times, it is an absolute prohibition um, to take mind-altering drugs. All right. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk. Wal asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr. إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Thank you.